Well, this is certainly special for me. I had prayed before we came here that I would be built up and I would be revived, and it's already started. We're just glad for the program as far as it's been. Uh, the holiness of God is greater. As we look at His holiness, we become smaller and smaller, and we need His Spirit to lift us up and change us to His glory, to the likeness of Jesus Christ. I was going to put off prayer until we just had a little introduction here, but I think we better pray right now. Heavenly Father, look down in your mercy. You know our weaknesses. You know our needs. And we know your power, Heavenly Father. We just pray you'll visit us. Make known your power to us. Help us to respond with humility and thanksgiving and praise. Just guide us in this study. May the glory all be yours, Heavenly Father, through Jesus our Lord. Amen. There's so many things to tell, and yet my memory is kind of poor. I want to pass out some handouts, and maybe I'll have, uh, let, me, let me give them some uh, work to do here. Yeah, maybe to the women and to the men. Thanks. <laughs> While they're passing those out, I might tell just a little story about Billy Graham. You know, he's elderly, and he was at a, a, a gathering, maybe kind of in his memory, and he had bought a new suit for this occasion, and they wanted him to say a few words, and so he did. He said, I bought this suit for two events, one this occasion and the other for my burial. And they told this story about... Uh, Albert Einstein, he was traveling by train and uh, they came to get his ticket on the train and he couldn't find it. He just searched all over and he couldn't find his ticket. And uh, the conductor there said, oh, we know you, Mr. Einstein. Don't you worry about it. We know you bought a ticket. And so he, he went on and uh, here he looked back and here Einstein was crawling under the bench looking for his ticket. And he rushed back and he said, Mr. Einstein, please don't worry about it. We know you. He looked up and he said, young man, I know who I am too, but I don't know where I'm going. And he needed to find his ticket. Well, Billy Graham said, uh, he said, I know who I am, but I know where I'm going. And I hope we all know where we're going. We have a wonderful prospect. You know, this is about unashamed workmen. And uh, I've given you a handout, and I just want to read a little bit of the first there. The word says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, Second Timothy 2.15. We will be quoting this probably at each session. We might be singing it some. But this is kind of the basis. Workmen that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We handed it to Matthew. What's that? Nothing. Okay. I had a scripture I wanted to read too in Psalm 34, at least the first part of it. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were enlightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me, I will teach you. 
the fear of the Lord. There was a group asked one time, what is the greatest need in the world today? And an old man got up and he said, the fear of the Lord. And I believe that's right. I think the fear of the Lord is what we're losing when we don't obey His commandments uh, that Jesus has plainly told us about. We'd like to study our own capacity for thoughts, words, and deeds in this study. Should we be ashamed or make apologies for our faith? No, we don't need to be ashamed. Not if we're rightly dividing the word of truth. Not if we're applying it to our own lives and obeying it to the best of our ability. And we know we can't do it alone. The Lord, we know we need the Lord to help us and live in us. We have the love and power of our Heavenly Father, His sacrificing Son, and His Holy Spirit to give us confidence and guidance. Shame started when man disobeyed in the Garden of Eden. They were ashamed. But you know, we can be restored through Jesus Christ. And when we are restored into his likeness, we don't have to be ashamed anymore. We can be um, bold, and I don't mean that at the expense of humility, but we can be bold in the Lord to proclaim his word and to witness for him faithfully. You know, last night we sang this song, Spirit of the Living God, Fall Fresh on Me. I'd like to sing that again this morning. And I'd like to sing it as a prayer. I'm not criticizing the way we sang it. We did nicely. But I'd like us to sing it softly and as a prayer because this session is about prayer. And we don't want to get very far from that thought. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. gets a little heavier each year. My wheelbarrow gets a little harder to push. And it just gets a little harder to climb the hills and walk the distances. But there's something that doesn't change and maybe even grows better. And that is my concern for you young people. You're living in a world that is different from what I lived in. I thought we had plenty of temptation and we did. But it's not like it is now. You have people who decide to live together without marriage. To start living together. That's not the way God intended for us to do. You're going to face that. You're going to be... be uh, it's going to be in your friends. And you're going to have to testify against it. But that's not the only thing. All the neglect of God saying that He doesn't exist and, and getting all involved in some of these electronic things that are so uh, tempting, so fun, so time-consuming... Something that we didn't even have when I was young. I didn't know anything about it. I have a computer, and if any of you know computers, it's an old 3.1. And it works. I use it for publishing our church paper. We get the first copy, and then we copy it. And I have some samples of that if you'd be interested in that. It's called The Pilgrim. Well, prayer. Psalm 34 says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. We want to cry today, and we know the Lord hears us. He's hearing us. He knows our thoughts. He knows where we're going, and we're glad that he does. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. First Thessalonians five sixteen and 17. As I pray for others, and I do, and I know you all do, I realize I need the same things. 
And I quite often say, Lord, give me this too, that I've prayed for this other person. Victory. Victory over temptation and, and progress and growth in the Word of God. What is prayer? We have a book called The Hour That Changes the World. It's by Dick Eastman, and I don't know how many of you have read this or have seen it. You have? Several? Well, The Hour That Changes the World, according to Dick Eastman, is the hour of prayer. And he gets this hour from what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane to Peter and James and John, who had come a little further. And Jesus had gone uh, ahead and he prayed earnestly. His sweat became as great drops of blood falling to the ground. He came back to Peter and the others and he said, Could you not watch with me one hour? Could you not watch with me one hour? And that comes to us today. And I'm not saying everyone has to take an hour every morning, but that's what he says. And I can pass it along that if you want to get close to God, if you want to be changed, if you want the world to be changed through you, then spend an hour in prayer. And this tells a little bit how to do it. Um, We have 12 features of prayer listed here. And... uh, Dick Eastman recommends that we spend five minutes on each one. Well, I'm not saying you have to do this, but I think you should at least consider these parts of prayer. And then if you can't follow this exactly, that's not the point, then you need to to make your own schedule and make your own communion with God and, and see what time you can give. And remember, prayer is more important than your work. Is it? It is. You notice that praise comes first and last. The Psalms are full of praise, and I've given you you, uh, references for each one here, and I don't think we'll go over these unless possibly we would have time at the end of this talk. But you can look these up. Praise is the first. Waiting is a quiet waiting upon God. Confession is when we clean up by confessing confessing our sins at the very beginning of our prayer, getting right with God. Scriptural praying. Jeremiah says, I think that's the reference there, is not my word like a fire. And like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. The word of God. It's important that we uh, remember this and even use it in your, your uh, prayer. Watching. That's awareness of the world around us and what's happening. Watching is really kind of a military word. They had their watches when they, that they set during the night and it was very, very important that they stay awake. And so watching is a feature of prayer. Intercession, that's earnest appeal. And petition, that's probably asking for things for our own selves because we definitely have needs that we need to ask God for. He says, ask and you shall receive. And then thanksgiving and singing of psalms. We had a little friend, a little church member. Her last name was Garber, Alma Garber. She was married to a Garber. I don't know if any of you would ever remember Alma Garber. She was was very elderly when she passed away a good many years ago. But at her funeral, the, the minister that had part of it said he visited Alma during uh, one of the days. And he said, how do you spend your day? And she told of different things she did. And she said, then I I sing a while. He said, think of that. Sister Alma Garber in her home alone singing songs, songs of praise. And I want to recommend learn the songs, learn them by heart. Um, Get them as part of your worship service. Meditation. We'll have more to say on that. That's one of the subjects for this work. Meditation and memorization. Memorization. Listening, listening for God's voice. I think we need to caution a little bit here. Uh, Be sure you don't hear, in quotes, God speaking something that is not verified by the Word of God because that is our our guidebook. Uh, We have it here. Prayer is talking to God. His Word is speaking to us. Now, I'm not saying you can't hear 
the voice of God in your inmost spirit. But be careful because we've got a deceptive adversary. He can plant thoughts there that, that aren't according to the Word of God. So test things. Test your ideas and your thoughts by God's Word. And the last again is praise. Praise to the Almighty. Praise to God in His holiness. We've heard so much. We should have our hearts in good shape to return any, to accept anything else that God has for us. What's a good position to pray in? We like to kneel, but we don't have to, I guess. Uh, the Word says that when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against anybody. Standing praying. And the Pharisees, remember, they apparently had the practice of standing and praying because they would stand in the marketplace and uh, um, ask for the praise of men and pray that they might be heard. Jesus says, go into your closet and shut the door. And now, I had to think of that in relation to maybe Haitians. They don't even have a closet. In one of our acquaintances, they built a new home and they built large closets so that they could go in and pray. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't want to criticize it, but what if you didn't, wasn't able to afford a house and couldn't afford closets? Then it becomes a little more important that we understand what's meant by here when the Jesus says, enter into your closet and when you shut the door, then pray to him in secret. And God who heareth in secret will reward you openly. It means be by yourself. Be out in the woods or wherever it might be that you can find a secret place to pray to God unhindered without the uh, view of the world around you, just speaking to God. Uh, Moses spoke face to face, but we can't quite be like Moses, but we can certainly call upon him knowing that he hears us. There's another position that might be pretty good, and that's on your face. Daniel fell on his face before God. Wouldn't be wrong today. It's where we belong. It seems like sometimes, like when we hear about the holiness of God, that's where we belong, is on our faces, with our shoes off. Those are physical things, I know. But in the Spirit, can we be on our faces before God? Can we be without our shoes? And, and just knowing that it's an important place. It's a place of holiness. It's a place of, of communion with God when we pray. Education isn't required. I don't mean to run education down. But the apostles knew how to pray. And they weren't formally educated, we don't believe. Daniel 9. I want to read a passage there. Starting at verse 3. No, that isn't right. I don't have Daniel 9 here. Starting at verse 3, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Notice the situation that Daniel was in here and the way he approached God. To seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Wonderful humiliation as we approach God. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession. And said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. If anyone could be a holy man, it would be Daniel and some of those other prophets that were so devoted to God and lived so close to God. But Daniel said, we've sinned. We have sinned, not just the nation, but himself included. And certainly if Daniel said that, we can say it too. We need to say it. We need to confess before God this way. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Haven't we had the message of God all our lives? And have we sometimes made a bit of fun of the preachers? 
a bit of fun of maybe his mannerisms and things like that, and maybe even imitated. Let's remember, we are indebted to God for what He's done for us. We have a tremendous heritage. Something that we need to appreciate, not just cast off as though we can know something better and go some better way. We have it so good. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto Thee, but unto us confusion of faces as as at this day. I won't read more. You can read more of that passage. Why pray? Well, it's a command. Pray for your enemies. Pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks. And so we are commanded to pray. We need to obey that command. It's not really one of the Ten Commandments. It's one of Jesus' commandments. And we feel like those are even more important than the Old Covenant, that we obey the Lord Jesus and uh, recognize His commandments. It also works. James 5, 13-18. I want to read that too. Um, we are used to things that work. We like things that work. If, if something doesn't work, I don't know one more that I was mowing along and I had a short stump in the grass that I didn't see and it hit that thing and it bent the crankshaft and that thing won't work anymore. I just parked it out behind the shed. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but it won't work. We want something that works and prayer works. Prayer works. It works. Uh, let's just read in James there. to 18. Is there any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. We've had this all our days, haven't we? It's a feature of the church. It's one of the doctrines. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins... They shall be forgiven him. The Lord shall raise him up. My father was a pretty much of a realist, and I think he realized that it isn't always instant healing when we are anointed. He said, he'll either raise him up here or he'll raise him up to heaven. I think that's a good conclusion from that statement. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave uh, rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, let him... And one convert him, let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. That should be our aim in the world today. In the book called to prayer by J.C. Ryle, I think this is one of your recommended reading books. He said, do you pray? My father was asked that once. I'm not sure just the situation But he was almost insulted. He said, I couldn't get along without prayer. Do you pray? J.C. Ryle says, if you don't pray, you're not saved. He's pretty plain. And and I guess I have to agree with him. If you don't pray, there's no relationship to God. If there's no relationship, there's no salvation. We just have to confess that we need to speak to the one who redeemed us, to the one who created us. To the one who is very interested in our lives and and how we are communicating with him. Another time my father was, uh, he was one who failed in the depression. He lost his, his property and home in Ripon. And he and my mother, this was before I was born, but they had to move in with my mother's parents. She wasn't from the Brethren people, and they lived down in Long Beach. And he moved in down there, and he, he took any work he could get that was legitimate. And he had to ride back and forth on the streetcar or bus or something. And he saw a colored lady reading her Bible. And he commented, he said, I see you're reading the good book. She looked up at him, and he, she said, it's the only thing worthwhile. And Papa liked to write poems. He went home and wrote a poem called, It's the Only Thing Worthwhile. And I'm sure we are convinced of that today. Second Timothy 1.3, That without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. I appreciated that thought last night that there's no other time than night and day. That pretty well covers everything. But it impressed us one time that Paul prayed for Timothy. 
night and day. And I had to tell our brethren, wouldn't it be great if we could seek out one of the young people and pray for that person night and day like Paul did for Timothy? Well, Sister Rosemary, that's uh, Abby's aunt, she got busy and made these little things. They had a name. I won't show you the name, but they had the name of a young person on that. And she had us each pick one of those. And we were to pray for that person. You know, it's been good. It's been good for me. And I hope it's been effective in the, in the lives of the young people. Praying unashamed. We're talking about unashamed workmen. And maybe prayer is one of the areas where we've had a bit of shame. And there's no reason for it, but still, it, it comes sometimes. It's there if we're kind of honest people. We just have to kind of confess that sometimes we've been a little bit ashamed to pray. Maybe in public. Maybe where there's other people talking. And, you know, I have made a note here, experience in Avalon with others talking loudly. Avalon is a nursing home in our area. And uh, my wife and I go on Thursday evenings and uh, we sing and I have a little scripture lesson and I uh, read a little story to them and we pray. Well, it's the time when they're eating. They assemble in their uh, dining room and these uh, people are all eating and uh, the others are... the Employees are serving them, and sometimes it's always a little bit noisy, and we don't worry about that. But once in a while, someone will get to talking out loud, and you just, we just think, why can't they be still? Don't they realize we're trying to sing, or trying to read, or trying to pray? Well, it's not a, a problem with us of shame, I don't really believe, but it does get a little bit irritating. Uh, and we don't want to, we don't want to act irritated, because after all, we're there to help them, and and uh, we can't help them if we be at odds with them. How about praying in a restaurant? We have used the Mennonite method of praying silently a lot. We've, we've done that in restaurants and in the hospital. We work in a, we volunteer in a hospital. It's run by the Seventh-day Adventists. And uh, I have a lot of respect for those people. They are really concerned that people get to know the Lord Jesus. They have a, a motto that's really good, that we would serve and, uh, and uh, give both spiritual and mental and physical help. And uh, so it's not un, uncommon to see in the cafeteria some of those people bow their heads and pray silently. So that's not a problem there, but I know I felt in the past some bit of shame when my folks would go to a restaurant. And there's a little story about this young boy that his family was going, traveling somewhere quite a ways off. And they didn't usually eat in restaurants, but this time they decided, well, we're going to eat in a restaurant for a change. And the boy said, oh, no, he didn't want to eat in the restaurant. And uh, they said, well, why? Well, he was ashamed when they always had to pray before they ate. And uh, so uh, the father told him, they said, if if you would, if someone would give you a gift, wouldn't you thank them for it? And uh, so they went to this restaurant with that in mind. And sure enough, they didn't pray, but sure enough, after they came, uh, after they had eaten, a man came alongside their table. Apparently, he was a wealthy man, and he said, "I saw how you prayed here." He said, "I want to buy your dinner." And uh, the boy got the message, and he he did thank the man. They did thank him. But how much more should we thank God who supplies all our needs, supplies our food, gives us such good food? Ashamed to pray in the restaurant? No. Norman Rockwell drew a picture about this. I don't know if you remember that. But it was quite a, a scene in a truck stop. And all these truckers were around smoking their cigarettes or whatever. And they were watching this grandma. And she was at a little table and her grandson was with her. And uh, she was obviously praying. She had something on her head. And she was praying and he was kind of embarrassed looking to one side. It happens. <laughs> Young people sometimes do get embarrassed about their elders, but he certainly pictured that well. We had a story about a boy that went to his neighbors. And uh, for some reason, he ate with them. And they didn't pray. And he commented, he said... You're just like my dog. He just eats. 
that is the way it is when we don't thank the Lord for our food. There's a little story I wasn't sure I should tell. Are there any descendants of Joseph Rumble? That would be the elder Joseph Rumble here. Maybe not. How about Hermes Moller? You would know some of those people, I'm sure. Jesse Cover. Anyway, they're all about, they were all about the same age, and they're all gone. But when they were boys, and Joseph Rumble told this on himself, so I'm not really ashamed to tell it, but I hope it's not out of place in a, in a setting like this. Anyway, they were on a kind of a camping trip or something, and um, Joseph said that, that Hermes, Hermes Moeller, he apparently knelt by a sleeping bag or something, and one of them said, uh, Herm, what you doing, Herm? And uh, Hermes said, shut up, I'm saying my prayers. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good answer, really. He wasn't ashamed. <laughs> he told that at a reunion, so I'm not as really feeling that I'm violating his uh, memory to tell that. Our next section is on the back of your handout, Champions of Prayer. I don't know if you realize it, but the Ducker Brethren have a, a mission down in New Mexico among the Navajo people. And David Skiles has been there for years. He raised his family there. He was, we were raised together. We're first cousins. We were raised side by side on Stanford Avenue. So we got to know each other pretty well. But then he went to the mission in uh, north of Albuquerque in New Mexico and spent his life there. He's elderly now. He's not as well. He's not as well as I am. He has diabetes and Parkinson's and all kinds of things. Anyway, he's, he's served there. And his son, Paul, Paul David, they call him, is now in charge. And Paul was telling this. He, they go out and pick up the Navajo people and bring them into services. And one time he picked up this Navajo brother. And the brother said, Paul, have you ever prayed all night? I don't know what Paul's answer was, but he said, I prayed all night for my sons. Evidently, his sons weren't doing quite the things that he would like them to do, but he said, I prayed all night. You know someone else who prayed all night? Who was it? Jesus. Jesus prayed all night. He prayed all night before he called his disciples, his twelve apostles. I have to wonder what he was praying about. Was he considering Judas? Oh, Father, do I have to take Judas? He's going to betray me. Do I have to take Peter? He's always saying the wrong thing, and he's going to deny me right when I need him. And they're all going to run away. He chose them. Chooses you and me. Yeah. Wonderful privilege. But he prayed all night before he chose those. He also prayed in John 17 that we might be one. This comes pretty close to me and to all of us here. That we might be one. What does that mean? Does it mean one congregation? Does it mean one brotherhood? Does it mean one great Christian family that's all devoted to God? I think we somehow have to see it that way because we're getting more and more fragmented all the time. Divisions. People going off by themselves. And I don't want to criticize that the Lord has led you to do certain some things, but remember, Jesus prayed that we be one. And maybe that's not one in organization as much as it is in one in spirit. One in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. Appreciate the dreams last night. The dreams that you want to be submissive to His will. Maybe we shouldn't just say, oh, we want to go to Mexico or we want to go this or that. We want to be submissive to His will. That's what's most important. I had some dreams a couple of nights ago too. They weren't dreams of aspiration. They were dreams that I wasn't prepared. I was called on to speak and I wasn't prepared. And I had a Bible that was losing pages and it wasn't my Bible and I couldn't find what I wanted. I was flipping through this and I knew my wife was getting more and more nervous and it got to be ten minutes or so and I still, well, I finally 
mercifully woke up. (laughs) But we all have dreams. We should have dreams. Dreams of serving God. Serving Him more completely. And I like to pray that the Lord would make me more like my Savior. I have down here, Daniel prayed three times a day. Though he, meant the, though he knew it meant the lions. It was decreed that no one should ask a petition of anyone except the king. They knew he prayed. They knew he asked petitions of God. They were trying to, to uh, get him in trouble, of course. Well, he prayed three times a day anyway. And you know the story. We don't have to go over that. But Daniel was victorious even through the lions. I don't suppose we'll be thrown into lion's dens, but... In a sense, we're in it. We're in a great big lion's den and there's lions around just waiting to devour us. And we don't want to dwell on that. We've got a mighty God that delivered Daniel and he can deliver you from any kind of temptation or any kind of of danger. Even though you would have an accident and be practically killed, the Lord's still in control. And let's never blame him or question his motives. Let's just realize that he knows what's best and he's still in control. He's still on the throne. George Mueller and his wife prayed three times a day. They were up against it. We want to talk a little bit more about George Mueller, but at this special time he had prayed for help for his orphanage and it was a desperate need and he wasn't getting through. And they started not praying just once a day, three times a day. He and his wife knelt in prayer three times a day. And the Lord answered. And uh, George Mueller said he never had an unanswered prayer. But I think we have to to, uh, modify that a little bit. Sometimes God answers yes. Sometimes he answers no. Sometimes he answers wait. Maybe he'll answer study a little more. Get a little more familiar with what you're trying to do. But he knows what we need. Paul in prison prayed. Um, I don't know, maybe we'll turn to that. Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3, I have it here. Um, 14 to 17. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I had to think about those four dimensions, breadth and length and depth and height. There are four dimensions. When we're here, we have a, a, a length and a breadth. We have a height and we have a depth. I guess that kind of covers it anyway. But that's what Paul here prayed, that we would be able to comprehend what is this and to love, know the love of Christ. We need to keep moving here. Samuel, in, uh, I bless, believe it's First uh, Samuel 12.23, it was after he had against his wishes, but at God's allowance, had them choose a king. He said, you've not rejected me, you've rejected God. And, uh, but God said, go ahead, choose the king. And after that, he said, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Samuel was that kind of a prophet. He, he knew God's will. He knew that it wasn't exactly God's will to choose a king, but God allowed it and he was going to go along with it. Maybe we'll take just a little break and sing, Live in me, Lord Jesus. Do you know that one? Let's stand. Live in me, Lord Jesus, live in me.
don't agree completely with the Seventh-day Adventists, but Adventist means the coming, the advent of the Lord Jesus. And around the hospital they have some beautiful pictures, and one they have of the Lord Jesus coming in the clouds over the town of Sonora. And it's just kind of good to be reminded of this sometimes, because someday he's going to come, and we're going to see him. And if we die first, that's all the better. My grandfather used to say, he was getting pretty elderly, he said, I might not be here when the Lord comes, but he said, you probably will be. And I guess I have to repeat that. I might not be here when the Lord comes, but some of you younger ones may be. I hope that we'll all be ready when we pass through the valley of the shadow of death or meet him in the air, whatever way. Our next section was some of the famous prayers, the Lord's Prayer. We use it a lot. My father used to say that the Lord said, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven. And he was kind of one who took the scriptures literally. And I don't believe it means that we have to pray that prayer every time we pray. It would be rather um, cumbersome, maybe we would say. And yet it's a beautiful prayer. It's a model prayer. It It magnifies the Lord Jesus. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Wonderful praise to the Lord to say, to pray that his name would be hallowed. So let's be careful when we pray it. Let's not get so used to it that we just rattle it off without thinking what we're saying. If we do, we probably better not use it that much. But we can say it and we can say it in sincerity and mean what we say. In Acts 9.11, it was Paul in Damascus. And when Ananias came to, uh, was directed by the Lord to go to Paul, um, he said, uh, I've heard of this man. He said, he's, he's going everywhere trying to kill Christians. I'm just doing it in my own words. And uh, the, the angel told Ananias, he's praying. That man is praying. You won't need to fear him. He's in prayer. Isn't that the way it is? When we're in prayer, we're close to God and we're not going to harm anybody. Paul was to the the place where he was not able to harm anybody. He was blind and uh, very repentant. Famous prayer is that one in Gethsemane. He said, Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Prayed it three times. Another famous prayer was the Pharisee and the publican in Luke eighteen ten to 14 I won't go to that because I know you know what this story is. We hear about a lot in the pulpit, but it's a good representation that the Pharisee stood praying and he said, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not as other people and not even like this publican. I'm just glad. The publican said, he didn't even lift up his eyes to heaven. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Which man went down justified? Which one was justified? The publican. He wasn't a good man, probably. 
but he seemed to realize his place. The publicans were despised. Jonah and the whale prayed pretty sincerely. He said, Lord, I'll pay what I owe. I'll pay my vow. I'll do anything if you can get me out of here. I think he was pretty repentant. We don't have all his words, I'm sure. Peter prayed when they... He'd been fishing all night and they caught so many fishes they couldn't. They began to sink and he said, Lord, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. And he said, from henceforth, you're going to catch men. Wonderful uh, event in the life of Peter when he prayed that prayer. And then when he was walking on the water, he began to sink. And he said a simple prayer, three words, Lord, save me. That's one we can say often too. Lord, save me. We need to pray because we are helpless. We're not used to being helpless in this country. We're pretty self-sufficient, aren't we? We do what we want to do. If we want to buy something, we go to... My wife won't like it, but we go to Walmart and buy what we want to buy. She doesn't like Walmart. Walmart kind of came in and ran all the small businesses out of, out of uh, business. One of them was where I used to work for 26 years as hardware in selling hardware. But... When we want to get something, we know where to get it. And we are able to get it because we're so well blessed. We don't like to think we're dependent on someone else. But we are completely dependent on the Lord. And we're also dependent on one another if we really know that, if we really realize it. We mentioned that prayer in submission to God's will. Thy will be done, not my will, but thine be done. I uh, worked with a man at the hospital just a little bit. We weren't together, but he was a devout Christian and he lost his job there. And I don't understand quite yet. I think maybe the one that was over him was not a Christian. Anyway, he told me, he said, his plans are better than mine. And I like to remember that. God's plans are better than mine. And whatever he wills, let's be submissive to it. Under how we should pray, imagine sitting at... Jesus' feet, thinking of him as a a very precious father, Abba Father, Daddy Father. I think of when my children were small, and I like to take them in my arms and give them what we called tight squeezes. They would have their arms around my neck, and I would be around them, and we would squeeze tight, as tight as they could. I like to think of that in relation to our Heavenly Father. Maybe he'd like a few tight squeezes from us once in a while. That we could just get that close to him and want his arms around us and his protection. Those children are pretty safe when the arms were in the arms of their daddy. Not as safe as we are when they're in the arms of the Lord. But uh, it's a wonderful place, place to be. Pray intensely. And I want to read a scripture from Hebrews. It's just a model prayer. I mean, it's the way Jesus prayed. Hebrews chapter 5, beginning at verse 7. You need some um, of the rest to kind of get the setting. But it says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. That's Gethsemane. It describes his prayer in Gethsemane. Strong crying and tears. And he was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. I can't understand that. That's a revelation. Some way it is true in the mind of God. But I can't imagine how that he was ever imperfect. He learned perfection. He being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. That's a wonderful promise, but it's a wonderful condition too. Eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him. We've heard a lot about it's not conditioned on our obedience. And it's not. That's not where we get salvation. But we need to obey Him. He wants us to obey Him. He wants us to follow. Follow in His steps. And not disregard what He's told us. It was intense prayer. That's the way we need to pray too. Have a time, a place, and I say a system, but that's not a very good term. Prayer is more than a system. 
It's a communication with God. And yet, what I mean is, have a time and place and maybe uh, something specific that you would have in communion with God praying for. Um, A time, a place, and a system. I and my wife have a system and we don't, I don't want to give any idea of bragging, but we like to get up in the morning and ride onto our knees. Sometimes I'm still sleepy and I don't pray very well, but I like to start the day that way anyway. And then my wife does the same a little later. We have some coffee to kind of sharpen us up a bit. I like to study for about an hour. And you can pray when you're studying. Those features of prayer can all be brought into focus there. As, as you feel. Not just because Dick Eastman said it, but because the Lord wants you to pray and communicate with Him intimately. Pray in secret. Not as the hypocrites did. To be seen of men. Enter into thy closet. I guess we already mentioned that. There was one story that we had in one of our readers. Um, This little boy had been injured badly by his father. His father had been backing up the tractor, uh, coupling it to a wagon, and his foot had slipped, and it had mangled the leg of his son. And he was going to have a lot of hospital bills. And these people were poor. They were headed dairy. They were trying to make it, and uh, it wasn't going very well for them. And uh, the the church they belonged to was one that said, Oh, you should have had insurance. And he told him, he said, I don't have insurance, but I have assurance. And they decided that they would pray in the old-fashioned way. And they got down on their knees, on their couch, and they prayed to God for help. And it doesn't say how it came out, but as they got up, they were thankful. They knew God had heard them. They knew God was faithful and he could heal the boy. Or give them ability to pay for it. It looked like the boy was going to be healed and well and be able to run around. Pray in order. Men uncovered, women covered. I read one place where if we think that that covering for women is only for prayer, we're not having it complete. It's also a sign of headship. A sign that we accept the order that God put us in. Not that men are better. Maybe it's better if you wear a covering. Maybe it makes you better. But there is an order. The Father, Christ, man, and woman. And it doesn't mean that one's better than the other. But we need to observe that order. And I'm so glad to see that that's observed here today. And it is definitely mentioned during prayer, but it's also a headship relationship. Pray with resolve to obey. Psalm 36.18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That only makes sense. If you're a disobedient son, your father is going to be pretty displeased. He's going to have to punish. He's going to have to make sure that you learn to obey. Is it a little bit that way with our father? He loves us enough not to just let us go untended, unpunished, undisciplined. That's not fair for a for a. Um, a father to do that with his son either. In uh, the Psalms, I always thought my father loved me a lot because uh, it says, uh, he that hateth his son spareth his... No, he that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. I knew my father loved me. He wasn't cruel, but he uh, made sure that I obeyed. And I think that's good. And the Lord is that way. We can learn a lot from our our relationship to our parents, our relationship to our children. I remember when my uh, my, uh, little children, babies, first began to reach up to recognize us, to see our faces. And uh, something happens like that when a newborn soul comes to know God and reaches up to Him in faith believing. It's a start. It doesn't mean that we know everything, that we're able to do everything in the Lord's will when we first come to Christ, but it means that we want to love Him and be submissive to Him. I had another little book I was going to recommend here. 
It's called The Game with Minutes. This has meant a lot to my wife, and I've tried it some. The Game with Minutes, how many have seen this, or probably a few of you know the idea. This man says that every minute we can communicate with God. Just a flash, just a second of thinking of God, being thankful, praying to Him, just a word. And you know, this is borne out in the Scriptures because one of those famous famous prayers that I didn't mention was the prayer of Nehemiah in the presence of the king. Nehemiah learned that his uh, city of Jerusalem was in ruins. And he wanted to go there and he went before the king. These kings had power of life and death. And uh, it says he prayed. He didn't go up somewhere and kneel and pray. He prayed right there instantly. You read that account Because it's kind of a good example for us. It doesn't have to be long prayer, but it has to be sincere. And Nehemiah was sincere in wanting to go back there and the king gave him his request. How are we doing for time? Okay. Pray with fasting. Do you realize that the book of Esther does not have the word prayer or praying in it. It doesn't also, it doesn't have the word God. And I can't explain it. I don't know why. I've heard people speculate about it, that the conditions of the time or the government, but the fact of the matter, it, both of those expressions are not in the book of Esther. Fasting is. When she went in before the king, she asked uh, um, Mordecai to... Um, Have her people fast. Didn't say to pray, but I assume it was pray and fast. But she had them fast for her so that she would be able to petition the king without losing her life. We don't know a lot about fasting, probably because it's not supposed to be known when we're fasting. We're supposed to fast and not show it on our faces, not have long drawn uh, features that would indicate that we're suffering here and maybe doing something that uh, gets us virtue with God. That's not the point. And as someone said last night, the, the fasting is kind of up to you. You need to, to get this, uh, make a resolve and decide how this is going to be. We've fasted just a little bit. And actually, you have to fast. If you're going to get a blood test, you have to fast for 12 hours. And quite often, they're, they're uh, good and letting us do that at night, having the, the blood test early in the morning so we don't have much problem. But we can do it with that. Can we do a little fasting in uh, circumstances that would demand special prayer, special um, communion with God in petitioning Him? and uh, showing that we mean it by uh, leaving off food. Simply uh, not humoring the flesh, isn't it, the body. I mentioned the game with minutes, and I didn't complete that thought, but uh, the idea was that every minute you would think of just a second or a bit of a thought of God. And uh, he says it just brings you closer to God, and I'm sure it does. If you try that, you may not have success the first time. Uh, This book tells about a lot of people's experiences, but I know that if you do it at all, it'll help to think of God. Think of His wonderful grace and His mercy upon us, even if it's just a few times. But every minute, you can communicate with God that way. We have so many scriptures that deal with... um, Praying, men ought always to pray and not faint. I will that men, men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. I see some lifting up their hands, and that's not wrong. If the Lord inspires you to lift up your hands, lift them up. My father used to do that. Thy prayer is heard. Does anyone know where that was said in the Bible? Thy prayer is heard. Can you think? Well, maybe he said that too. I was thinking about the time when... Uh, pardon? No, I was thinking about the time when Zacharias was speaking to God and uh, said, Thy prayer is heard. It was the angel, actually, to Zacharias. He was praying there in the temple and he came out, not being able to talk until he 
uh, named his son. I wanted to mention George Mueller. He claimed he never had an unanswered prayer. And I have a book about George Mueller that I would recommend. In fact, there are probably a lot of them. But the one I have is mostly concerned with his prayer regarding his, um, his orphanages. He had about five big orphanages. Kept adding more and more. Giving uh, the Lord the credit. He never, he said he never asked anyone for funds. The Lord always supplied. And it laid it on the hearts of other people to give him funds for these orphanages. So that's what that book is mostly about. But I had another story about uh, George Mueller, and I wish I could find it. But they were, he was traveling someplace, I think it was on the Great Lakes, and uh, he was supposed to be at a place a certain time, and this ship was in the fog. It could hardly travel in the fog. And he went up to the captain, and he wanted to pray. I guess he wanted the captain to pray at first. Captain didn't have much faith in that, but he prayed. And uh, the captain kind of lamely offered to pray, but he said, no. He said, you don't believe that it's going to happen. I prayed, George Mueller prayed that the fog would be lifted and they would be able to get into the port in time for him to meet his important engagement. He said to the captain, no, you don't pray, you don't believe it's going to happen. But they went out and the fog was lifted, it was clear, and he made it. Wonderful miracle. I, I wish I could read that story to you. I would like to have a little bit of time to have some testimonies, maybe of answered prayer. Um, I want to read this first. This is from a book called The Brokenness, The Forgotten Factor of Prayer. Does that strike a bell with us? Do we have to be broken in prayer? I believe so. If we come to, the, to God with our self and our pride hanging out, and we need to be broken. And that's what this book is about. I didn't agree with everything in the book, so I didn't recommend it and didn't bring it. But one thing I did re- agree with, and that is, we need to be broken. When we come to God in prayer, he said this, It will take the tears of shattered hearts rather than the fetish prayer, prayer clubs that are forming worldwide. We must be broken. We must. I wanted to read a poem by a dear friend of ours. If I have it. Oh dear. If I don't have it, I'll have to read it later because it is... Oh, here it is. Brokenness. Exquisite, beautifully carved, the alabaster box. A rich perfume, costly, and rare within its depth it locks a woman bears it carefully until at Jesus feet she breaks it and the air is filled with scent so rich and sweet broken and useless now it seems ah no consider see for this intent it was designed a poignant mystery Miriam Souter, a very dear friend of ours, a very spiritual-minded woman. I'd like to take a little time. I want to start out. I've had some prayers that have been answered definitely. We had uh, an accident. Our youngest girl was upstairs, and she got leaned against the, the uh, screen, and it was kind of loose, and she fell out the upstairs window. I was down. Okay, I was down working in the garden, and uh, I came running up when they came down to tell me. And little sister said, "Rhoda fell out the upstairs window, and mommy thinks she's going to die." Well, she was knocked out, and uh, my father was dozing in the chair. He slept a good bit in the daytime and was awake quite a bit at night. And uh, my wife took little Rhoda and said, Papa, pray for this girl. She fell out the upstairs window. He just woke up and he threw up his hands and started to pray. And of course, we took her into the doctor as soon as we could. And when she got on the examining table, she gave us a movement and uh, she was awake. And the doctor couldn't even figure where she hit. Praise the Lord. There was another instance. It would be uh, Ryan's daddy when he was born. We had company. 
Martha was just about ready to deliver. When I got home from work, I spoke to these folks that were had come to visit. said, where's Martha? And said, she's in the bedroom. She said, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, I went in there and, of course, she was in labor. And it wasn't long before little Peter was born. But it didn't come right away. He was breech. And uh, he didn't get started breathing right away. But uh, we did all we could. I held him up and spanked him and tried to give him mouth to mouth. And eventually he started. It reminded me of a fish that was just kind of gasping. Took a gasp. and After a while he took another one. Then another one. They got closer and closer together. The point I want to make is that these ones that were visiting us were godly people. And the man said he was praying out in the living room. And we got him to the doctor and everything went well. There's another time when I've had to answer prayer, and I think the ministers will agree with me on this. Sometimes you come up very close to the time when it's your turn to pray and you have no subject. And it, it's, unless you've experienced it, you probably don't understand. But I've come fairly close and the Lord's always faithful. He always gives us something to speak from His Word. Now I'd like to open it up to anyone who would like to testify about answered prayer.